Welcome back to Coffee with Innovate Finance, a podcast series where we're speaking with experts from the industry on the changing face of financial services and the future of fintech and financial innovation. I am Rashi Pandey, Head of Partnerships, and I'm very pleased to welcome Mark Reeves today, who's the Managing Director of Europe at Flybits. So Flybits empowers financial institutions to connect with their customers more meaningfully through hyper-personalized experiences. And Mark joins us today for a discussion on data in the world of virtual banking and more. So quite a hot topic. So thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. Thank you, Rishi. That's great to meet you again. Likewise. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. Of course, you know, I, I did some research and I believe you have lived in several different continents. So how was that like? And professionally, how did you get into fintech? Um, yeah, thanks. I, 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 I'm quite a latecomer to fintech. Um, I started out my life uh, curiously when I first worked as an interest rate trader um, in the days when an OTC was still uh, sorry, when, uh, when a swap is, an, is still an OTC, um, but then rapidly moved into consulting and did 25 years in consulting, which is a long history. And as with many consultants traveled the world with that, I'd lived for maybe five years in Africa. Um, I then spent about six years in the US and about a year in Canada. So I have traveled around a lot. Um, but I always say to everyone, I've sort of done the same thing. So I've always been working with banks to help them change and help them innovate. And, and you know, your key question is, how did I get into fintech? Um, I got into fintech because I do like change in banking. Um, it's something that I've always sort of enjoyed. And, and in my many travels, I learned that you, you have to drive change through people, but also increasingly, and this is the modern spin, there's you have to drive it through technology. Um, so yeah, after 25 years of being a consultant without a physical product, I decided I wanted to be very much on the side that was actually driving the solutions. Um, and I found it really enjoyable so far. It's different, but it's really enjoyable. That's wonderful. It sounds very colorful journey. And, you know, welcome to FinTech. That's all I can say. <laughs> Thank you. So your tagline, as in Flybit's tagline, is that Flybit uh, creates value for consumers by enabling micro-personalized experiences powered by contextual intelligence. Sorry, I had to, like, read that out a little. Can you perhaps briefly explain what that means and what was the motivation behind starting Flybits and what problem are you trying to solve? So I'm going to take it in reverse because that's the easiest. Sure. The problem we're trying to solve is the world has moved to the mobile device. Uh, you're now looking at 85% of households in the UK only have a mobile device. They don't have a traditional laptop or a desktop. So to be relevant in today's world, you have to be in the mobile world. Of course. You can see that because you see all these famous apps that we all use and Amazon and Instagram, there's many of them um, that really have become so important to our lifestyle. There's just a recent stat that came out that the average person in the UK is uh, looking at their phone for over four hours a day to give you a context of just how important that channel, that medium is. Um, and I think the problem we were trying to solve is banks have displayed the bank into that their apps and they have apps but those are not destination apps. They're not where people want to go. They use it just because they've got to make a payment or they want to know how much wealth they've got. And that's not an engaging uh, type activity. So we came from it, we came with the basic hypothesis that banks need to engage with their clients more effectively and perhaps set as a target their app should be a destination app, but it can't just be there for banking. It needs to be a lifestyle app. And our technology really allows 
people to build a whole lot of experience. We use the expression moments, which is quite a good expression, mm -hmm. so that the clients of the banks uh, are engaged with them and have, can see lots of value and lots of benefit. Also for the bank, of course, it allows the bank to um, increase its sales effectively, or certainly, and perhaps more importantly, help its clients go through their life journeys, whether it be the house buying journey, whether it just be the standard life journey, whether it be savings journey. Um, but the, the bank at the moment does that in small increments. It needs to engage holistically and then help and guide through that exercise. And that's why we use, and they're quite complicated experiences, the micro-personalized experiences. But if you think about what a moment is, that's what a moment is. So you have to deliver something at the exact moment where it's completely relevant. And that might be as broad as they're about to embark on a savings journey, they've just got a bonus, or it could be as narrow as they're standing outside a shop and that you could offer them a discount at that shop. And that's genuinely what trying to drive for moments is. So we built the company, it's all predicated on that, how to execute brilliant engagement and marketing in the mobile channel with a sort of end line of having enough moments that you become an, a destination app for a client, a consumer. No, I love that. You know, lifestyle and banking is something, you know, a lot of people are exploring and the fact that you can do that, you know, based on their context right at that moment and, you know, delivering a very personalized experience, which will benefit them. Right. So that sounds amazing. But of course, you know, when we speak about data, um, unfortunately, a lot of people believe that it's a very big buzzword. So what does data mean at Flybits and how do you break yourselves from all that noise that is out there about, you know, consumer data and banking data? We use an expression which I really like, which is we're about data for better. Mm -hmm. Data for better engagement, data for better value creation, data for better communities, data for better environment and driving it through. And I think that we really specialize in aggregating that data. We call it data insights using it to create a consumer experience, which is value added. Um, and, it's, and, and, and not only do we do the data understanding, which is actually what a lot of people think about when they talk about data, we, do, we take it to a channel where it becomes useful to the end consumer and powerful. And I think that the reason data is such a sort of buzzword is obviously it's been the, and I've been you know, consulting the banks for many, many years, it's always been something which is almost impossible to get your head around. You can't get a single view of the client. You can't get a single credit view of the client. There's all this complexity and banks have built up and, and created complexity to create value. That's actually one of the sort of underlying philosophies of banking. Whereas we're trying to simplify it into data insights that are relevant to the consumer, which I think has more legitimacy is more useful. Uh, we're not about compliance data, which is a whole specialist subject in its own right. We're not about data manipulation, which is a whole specialist subject. We're not just a standard data lake provider. We're actually doing some value add. So we're linking it to that key channel and making it useful data, I think is how I would describe it. But you are absolutely right. It is unfortunately a very big buzzword with all sorts of interpretations and in the industry is quite a challenge, um, but we will get through it. But yeah, data for better, I'm sure you're already getting there, it seems. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen about your partnerships and I'm sure our listeners want to hear more. So, you know, financial services today, you know, all these incumbents, they're increasingly looking to partner with fintechs to be able to offer these bespoke products and services like you have mentioned before. So what opportunities does Flybits, you know, present for such traditional players? I know you've mentioned it a little, but if you dive in a little further. Yeah. 
I think the specific things is it's you know, as a fintech, we're very quick to market. We use the cloud like you should do in a modern day, yeah. which allows you to really have very fast time to market. And we were built with easy user experience, both on the consumer end and the bank uh, uh, staff end. Um, and, and, and when I think about our technology as a, as a fintech provider, we cover quite a breadth, but we can be very niche. So you can sort of cover up. And I think that's really important for fintechs. And maybe one of the slight differences against many fintechs, many fintechs are structured around a very specific uh, problem statement within a bank. Ours is quite a broad problem, problem statement. You know, app as a destination is quite a broad problem statement and it's becoming broader and broader as you start to read the sort of the latest thinking, whether it's the interaction field or platform revolution, you can see that, that people are expanding that sort of exam question, which we answer. Yeah. Um, so I think we have a different relationship. I agree with you that all the banks are trying to focus on fintechs. I think uh, many have invested and they've invested in various different vehicles, whether it be a venture arm or a, a community club or some kind of other support um, or people who have the title, I'm head of fintech. Um, I still think it's a long way to go. I think for the traditional players, you know, you've got to fight off an incumbent architecture and an incumbent technology stack, some incumbent ways of doing business. We always face the challenge that really we can help horizontally across product lines, whereas many banks are still focused on product lines. So I think those challenges are very much there. And it's funny, I spend a lot of time with other fintechs as well. Um, and we're all suffering with the same, to some extent, challenge um, of how do you sort of just break that barrier down um, without causing too much problem. But I think that the industry will get there. Um, and I think there's a sort of weird benefit, which is the, the fintech banks, which we're all starting to really hear about so much more than we ever did, and particularly the younger generation, have enabled some innovation, which is, is really underpinned by my type of fintech, a, a software fintech. Um, and, and as a result, the banks are sort of waking up to that and starting to see that they have to go down that journey. So I think that it's going to be I don't know, probably over the next five to 10 years of significant growth in the fintech uh, side, but that's going to require quite a lot of change on the certainly the traditional players um, to get that kind of agility and cope with the architectural complexity that they inherit. No, I, I'm with you on this and especially with, you know, the changing behavior of consumers. And I think that is one of the biggest driving force that is out there for both traditional players and for fintechs alike, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, well, I, say, I was browsing through your website and I came across this question and I'm going to ask you this question. How can you be more than a bank? So how can Flybits help banks be more than a bank? I think it's a really key question. I've, and I've addressed the subject of the app as a destination. But I think you have to take almost a step back. So banks are still a trusted relationship for a, a consumer. Yeah. And will be, I think, almost forever. Um, you know, and, and there's always wrinkles and concerns and regulatory things, and we and the banking industry makes a mess of derivatives, etc. But at the end of the day, it's one of the few entities where you have a very deep, trusting relationship. The bank holds your money, um, and I think that we're all about saying, okay, you, you do what you do, but that permission you have, that trusted status you have, how can you expand that to really impact the life of the person? And, and when I think about how we deploy our technology, we, we can do we could do the very simple just pushing the bank's products into that channel. But that's not how people engage with a mobile device. They engage with a mobile device because it's fun, it's interesting, it's beneficial, it helps. And I think a bank has got the permission 
to help across the broad cross-section of your lifestyle, whether it be holiday planning, whether it be house planning or house related, whether it be education planning, whether it be uh, shopping optimization, whether it be optimizing your utility bills. There's so much stuff that actually the bank's brand positioning and trust positioning allows them to expand into. So I think that you, you, sort of, you could talk about it, this much is the, 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 the across a section of it is the banking products, but the bank can do more. It can help you with some education. It can introduce you into some communities. Uh, it can help with sustainability is one of the sort of key things that comes up quite often as a topic. And again, the bank has the permission to go there. So I think it's about bringing that breadth and you know, getting to a place where the banking app can help you with, I don't know, 20% of your daily activities. And it's simplest level of shopping is the sort of the one that quite often comes up. But think of all the other possibilities of where a bank can be a useful assistant to you as a consumer and be the person who aggregates the information. And because the bank at the end of the day does the payment, yeah. it's always, you know, every payment has to go through a bank, it's got that permission from that perspective. And they Does have that to do that. that. Yes, it very, very much does. I mean, you have been answering that throughout the session anyway, but this is a very interesting point of view that you know you just put across. So how has your partnership with financial institutions been like so far? And can you share any case studies? Yeah, and I think um, it's a good question. I can't share too much. Um, we're, we're, we're a medium-sized uh, fintech is how I always describe us. Um, in that we're third round funding. We're quite big. We have 20 plus clients and we have actually quite a few investors and we have some good partners. Um, and, and I think that we're seeing the evolution of that journey. For us, our client sort of story is we start small and then it rapidly grows, which is what you would expect of how our technology um, uh, supports the banks. And we've got some great success stories, particularly in North America, where we've got to a place where we're serving millions of their clients through our capability. Um, and and you know, back to my previous comment, it's a very diverse offer. I mean, the, 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 one of the most famous ones is that uh, for some Canadians, we actually, uh, through the bank's app, deliver their railway timetabling with the prompt that says, you know, Mark, your train is running late. Here's an offer to go to the Starbucks that's on the station. It's not Starbucks because in Canada it's something else that's amazing um, but yeah and, and 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 actually it's a very used use case we have a lovely one which we're, we're doing at the moment delivering at the moment which is um, obviously the banks want to support their consumers but also their small business clients which is a very important sector for, for banks at the moment um, so what we're, what we're doing is effectively campaigning on behalf of you know mark's uh, delicatessen um, in in kent and we're campaigning that by launching it into the bank's mobile app so, you know, as you're walking around, you'll get a prompt to say, oh, you're near Mark's Delhi. It's a client of, of, you know, of my bank. Um, and and you, know, you, you can get a discount or you can get a help or just go there, actually, because it's a, it's a great place to go. Um, so we're, we're joining the dots of the consumer and the small enterprise, uh, which I think is so important. And it's so interesting in the COVID era, of course, that's become more and more important as the pressure on the high street and, and some of these franchises, particularly entertainment ones, is, is, is greater. Um, so I think that, yeah, we're, we're starting to get there. We're having a lot of success. I look at where, where we should be in two or three years time and it, 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 it's a very broad distribution across a very broad client base. And we've gone global, which helps enormously um, because so many of our clients are global. 
And I was going to say, uh, as a consumer, I would love getting those push notifications of grabbing a coffee and letting, you know, being told that my train is running late. I think that's a huge problem in London as well. <laughs> it's a very London one, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but you mentioned global expansion, and I would love to ask you, I mean, it was last year that Flybits announced global expansion to the UK, to the US, and Dubai. So how did this growth come about, and why did you choose these particular markets? <laughs> There is some strategy behind it. <laughs> um, so we wanted to be effectively covering the, the globe. And in fact, we've since the, uh, you read our website, we've opened in Singapore as well. Um, we're doing some work in Hong Kong and mainland China. So we are actually sort of almost covering the globe, uh, which I think is, is good. Um, we hope we opened in the UK actually because our founder is very pro the UK. So I think he just did it as a, I like coming to the UK, we'll open here. Um, and the UK office uh, covers Europe. So actually when I'm, my team is now quite large and we, we're you know, doing work in Switzerland and Spain and oddly Cyprus, which, which is great to get that diversity um, in, in, into the game. Um, but I think that if you think about the banking industry, it is a global industry and the issues are sort of quite similar globally. Um, so we felt we had to service that capability um, on a broad basis. And also our investors and our key partners are global by very nature. MasterCard is one and Accenture is another. So we needed to be able to match their capability as we, as we uh, went through exercises. Um, and whilst I know in the modern technology world, you don't need to be near somewhere, time zone is still relevant. Yes. Cultural appropriation is still deeply relevant um, and there's some language challenges. So you know, add those combinations together, it became worthwhile to expand. Um, I think we've been appropriately aggressive. Um, it's always a difficult balancing act, um, but we're building up a scale quite nicely. And one of the things we're doing really well as a, an operating model consideration is not just say, Canada, which is where our headquarters are in Toronto, is the only place we do core technology. We're actually saying all of the offices have to be able to sort of almost fulfill our full value chain. Yeah. Um, so they're not just a sales office, they're much, much more than that, which is great because then you build you know, all sorts of new product innovations and different views on things and you get the cultural diversity within a fintech, which is lovely because it's unusual to see that in a small firm. It normally comes when you get bigger. No, I completely agree with you. I mean, I've worked at FinTechs and I remember one of my CEOs saying he loves, you know, putting a diverse team together from different backgrounds because that's literally when the best ideas come. That's absolutely wonderful to hear that, you know, you have not only operations, but sales and all sorts of departments uh, globally. And I do have to say, Mark, I wouldn't call you a medium-sized potato. I would call you a high growth. <laughs> that's probably a better definition. Um, I, 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 I just think when you... Talk about fintechs. There, you know, there are some definite buckets, um, and and it is is sort of it's challenging to articulate that. And most hopefully, our high, I mean, my hope is that fintechs are all high growth. That's obviously not the case, but um, yeah, there's some size differentiation um, as you go through. And as I said in the, in the earlier uh, questions, the the skill of of growing is quite a challenge. It's it's non-trivial to grow through it, um, and 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 particularly if you're doing business to bank type relationships. I think that the, the stretch is greater and it sort of feels, almost can feel lumpy. You sort of get one big bank and then another big bank. Um, whereas, um, it, and, and that makes the growth hurdles quite key, which is why I talk about medium size. I think it's important as well for a lot of the banks, they just take comfort from the fact that there is something more behind it than just an idea. Um, yeah. And, and, and Flybit started as an idea, luckily, eight years ago, effectively. 
um, and has grown from that idea all the way through. Um, so I think that that's really quite compelling. I, 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 whilst I'm on that subject, I think Flybits uh, started out actually as a spin out from a university and its early deploys were providing engaging experiences onto the mobile channel for a university. That's actually the-, the I did not know that. Yeah, um, so it's sort of, it's, it, was, it was an academic group trying to solve for an academic problem. Um, so we did things like, yeah, where's your next lecture? How much time have you got? You should be doing your prep, stuff like that. It's quite funny to think about it. Really. That's absolutely amazing. I did not know that. I mean, the best ideas also come from universities, don't they? While you're still- well, uh, The key leader and founder of Flybit, the amazing guy, uh, Hussein Ranama, is, um, was a professor at MIT of artificial intelligence. So we've, we're very, very, very proud of our intellectual footing. Um, and in particular, our intellectual footing around the data world, which is why we're so sort of strong on it. I was going to say, you should be, definitely. So, you know, I mean, we're talking at the time where we are in lockdown right now, you and I, we both are working from home. You can see both our homes in the background. <laughs> we cannot not talk about COVID. So how has COVID-19 impacted yourselves? And have there been any learnings on both a professional and a personal front? I think COVID-19, I mean, it's obviously a very sad event and something which we were all struggling with and, and driving through. Oddly for Flybits, because we're so much about deployment into the mobile, the mobile channel has been amplified in a COVID era. That's true. So to some extent, it sort of helped us in terms of just the level of importance um, and really ran home uh, why it's so key. I think for us as a product as well, some of the things we can do effectively around education, understanding government positioning, communication of government grants and loan schemes, that we're really able to support banks on really very quickly engaging with their clients on what is the most important topic of the day, as you correctly said, by a long way. So I think we've seen some success from that and we're able to help as well, which I think is super compelling and put it through. In terms of learnings at a professional level, like and for me, it's been that sort of ultimate enlightenment of you can actually work from home and be effective, um, which as an old fashioned person, I struggled with initially. Um, I, uh, so I think that you know, we've all seen that change and for Flybits, it's been a, a great learning on we can genuinely be global because you no longer have to have you know, the co-location thing going on. And, and we've really benefited. I think some of our speed of growth outside of our core market has been, you know, again, supported by, it does work going uh, global because we all know now you can do things through different channels and, and drive stuff through. So at a professional level, it's been, and for the company, it's been, I think, fabulous. Um, at a personal level for me, um, I confess it's sort of quite fun. It reduces my commute, which is a classic English sure. problem. Yeah. Uh, so we're all benefiting from that. Um, I feel that um, I've thought about different ways of engaging with people as well, because you can't do it in the traditional way. They go for a beer or go for a coffee is out the window. So therefore, how do you replicate some of that type of experience um, and pull it through? I think it's had some restrictions, which is it's difficult to build up the intimacy when you're trying to do ideation or creative stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I know there's tools that you can use and and they sort of half work, but they don't really work. Um, whereas a, a good old, a good old fashioned workshop that's done managed well, we don't have the benefit of those anymore. Um, and so that's a restriction. And I think that when you think about how we describe our product, which is the ability to grow lots of moments and think about lots of moments, those are best created in a workshop type context. So we're having to work out how to do that without the workshop. 
um, but we'll get there. Um, so, and, I, and I, you know, I'm fingers crossed, very optimistic with our vaccine that we'll come through as a country and come out the other side of it. But I, and I really do believe, and I know lots of people talk about it, we will come to a much more optimal working model for where we are rather than what was just a, a habit, wasn't it? We, I, 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 I fear I've been commuting nonstop for nearly 30 years now. I, I, I sometimes when I'm really struggling to sleep, try and add up the number of hours I spent on a train. Um, it's not a pleasant piece of maths. No, definitely. I think I think we I do agree with you. I think we are heading towards something which is just going to work, hopefully for all of us in a hybrid model. And that is, I think, what we all would like to see, right? Trying to balance a bit of both, because I do, I, I do miss those coffee breaks, um, but I don't <laughs> miss the commute. So we need, we need to figure out how to work this on. So thank you so much, Mark. But before I let you go, can you please tell us, is there any exciting news on the horizon for Flybits? I know you guys are doing plenty, but absolutely any glimpse you can give us. I think I'll probably give you three quick glimpses into it. So one is where going to really work on uh, the thing I described earlier, um, uh, which is data for better and really try and actually don't you know, take that as, a, as a, a framework or a tagline, but actually really execute against it. So we're really thinking accurately about how you take that framework and then really make it work and actually make an impact on more than just a PL impact, a genuine societal impact by using data for better. And I think that's a really, I'm really proud of that strapline and it will drive us forward as we go through. So I think that's very cool um, to, to pull through. I think a, a second exciting thing for us is, and I actually just finished the first one today, we're working with quite a few clients and some of our partners now, and we'll do it with, with, with some students actually from um, one of the top universities in the UK soon, doing hackathons to really, you know, really try and amplify those moments. And it's sort of funny, if you take someone who's not from a bank, out of context and 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 then they can hack it on they can work with our product to create and this morning i saw effectively that you know a, a team that had created over 145 moments new moments um and i think that's super exciting and, and many of them weren't pushing a bank product they were actually helping the clients get to a better place and i think that's really compelling if we can continue that i'm looking forward to working with that breadth of community to, to make that happen um and then the third key thing for flybits is we, and I'm going to use the, the expression, we're, we're becoming increasingly a part of the ecosystem of fintechs, and we're really going to start to double down on how can we work within that community effectively. We are, to your point, a high growth, medium sized one, um, and how can we help bring some of our colleagues along and work alongside them, um, which I think will be super powerful, and hopefully we can help that fintech community grow and expand, which is so important. Thank you so much. That's absolutely brilliant. And I love the hackathon and students bit, by the way, because, you know, that is something which is very close to our hearts as well. Uh, you know, engaging universities and, you know, young professionals who are eager to get in the world out there, give them a glimpse of FinTech. So thank you so, so much for speaking with us today, Mark. Thank you very much indeed for the chance. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Good questions. No, thank you. I mean, more power to you and the team. I'm really looking forward to more exciting news on the horizon from your end, but you know, more bank uh, and Flybit partnerships as well as FinTech partnerships with you guys. And thank you so much once again to all our listeners for tuning into Coffee with Innovate Finance. Do look out for upcoming episodes and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn for more on our events and programs. And also if you wanna find out more about Flybits. As always, until next time, Take very good care of yourselves.